Hey everybody, welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of ElderGeek.com. I'm your host, Randy, and with me as always is Gavin from the News. Yo. And uh, as a special guest this week, I've got Bennett the Sage from ThatGuyWithTheGlasses.com. How y'all doing? Alright, well, that went smoothly. I you guys a question. How are you all doing? I'm okay. I'm fine. Don't hurt me. Fine. Good. That's what I wanted to hear. Actually, I'm a lot better now that I've got uh, my Mountain Dew, and uh, and and we're uh, we're ready to be to be blessed with uh, you know Gavin's sage-like knowledge of the news, which is funny because it's not coming from Bennett the Sage. It's funny how it works out like yeah. that. Anyway, you're so, in a very awkward position here, Randy. Yeah, uh, but, you're like forcibly removing Bennett's uh, moniker and putting it on me. You yeah. don't realize the pressure that is. Pour pour some sagacity on me. That was a yeah. Let's do it. Is that an actual word? Sagacity? It sure is. Sure it is. Hey, learn something new every day. Rock on. All right, we're going to start with Blizzard this week, folks. They are working on, apparently, multiple Diablo sequels. We already know of the uh, fragmented release for StarCraft II being in three units, and apparently it's likely that um, Diablo is going to be the same exact thing. Um, We just learned about it through a release statement, and it doesn't mention anything specific, just sequels, plural, to the Diablo franchise. So um, what do we all think on that, Bennett? Uh, man, it's, uh, it's almost, it's reprehensible is what it is. I've gone on the record in saying that, um, the, the way that they're releasing StarCraft 2 is, it's no longer hiding the fact that they're, as a company, they're just out for your money. You know, siphoning whatever money you didn't spend on WoW away from you. And, uh, companies should be doing a much better job in hiding this. There is literally no, technical reason there is no logical reason outside of just making more money than with the same game to fragment the sequels the way starcraft is doing and to see it possibly doing it with the diablo sequel diablo rather is a like i said reprehensible and a shrewd business practice that i wish would not you know would not spread throughout the industry see i agree with you it's a it's a business practice i don't want to see spread throughout the industry but at the same time um, you know, these companies are in the, in the business of, of making money through games. And, um, I, I think we gamers as a whole, and I, and I'm, I'm speaking, uh, very generically here, um, and I know this does not speak for absolutely everybody, but I think we all pretty much have this odd sense of entitlement. And, and I think it actually comes a lot from, uh, the fact that we were quote unquote still buying from these companies when they were fledgling companies back when, when gaming wasn't cool and it wasn't as huge of a profitable business, that it was, it was really kind of a niche market. And, uh, and now that it's, now that it's a, a massively popular thing, um, I think we should expect the fact that, um, you know, companies like this are going to be cranking out sequel after sequel. I mean, look at, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a television equivalent. Um, Survivor, you know, or, or the real world. You know, both of those shows are absolute crap, but, uh, they're easy to put together, um, you know, and uh, and these companies keep making more and more of them because they know people will watch, people will buy, you know. So I guess in the, in an odd sense, we would rather feel uh, manipulated than feel betrayed, at least from these uh, from the uh, developers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a pretty fair statement. Okay, to summarize, Randy thinks Blizzard games are like crappy reality shows. Yeah. Okay, let's move on then. Um, all right, uh, here's a quick no-dust story that we're just going to mention and move on. Media Molecule acquired by Sony. No shit. Yeah, okay. no kidding. 
moving on, another franchise um, that's been hanging around um, is the Lego series from Traveler's Tales and the, uh, we've uh, in Warner Brothers Entertainment. We've seen you know Star Wars. We're gonna see Harry Potter. We've seen Batman, and we're gonna see more and more and more of Lego games. They've just extended their contract, Warner Brothers and Lego, and we're gonna be seeing these kind of games in, uh, until at least 2016. So that means a sequel to the Harry Potter Lego, and just what more could they possibly make Legos out of it at this point, Randy? Do you do you know? Do you have suggestions? Um, you know they're they're gonna milk the Harry Potter one for a little while, and to be honest with you, we we put it up as a joke entry for most antis- you know most anticipated game of this year. But I will be one of those people that will buy it. Um, I don't know. Beyond this, uh, who knows? Maybe they'll. Uh, you know, maybe they'll cater to the to the uh, vampire fans and make a uh, what the hell was that Twilight Lego oh. series? Uh. Oh, don't even! Go. Ow, <laughs> Lego Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> Lego Citizen Kane, Le- Lego Kane. Uh, I guess the, these kind of games I think are important in the market, at least for like as far as a uh, mainstream youth-oriented games. I mean, anyone can pick them up and play, but. You ever notice like the most games that get the like the most attention on are either like a hard teen rated or a hard M rated game? There's very few like high profile games or at least games that no- a lot of people know about that are like rated E for everyone. Yeah, true. Yeah, and if you look at most of our sec our second ga- grade game reviews, if you want to check back on the on our features page for that, most of them are, are for Lego Indiana Jones. So yeah. obviously there's a there's a popular market for it. So hey. Continue milking as 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 you are. Yeah. But, uh, kind of on an odd note, I've always just wanted a Lego game where I could just, you know, be an open world, build Lego shit. You know, building Legos without dumping them on the floor, so to speak. <laughs> well, the, uh, Lego MMO not, might not be too out of the question in the future can, if the series continues to be profitable. Yeah. Like, you know, Lego Sims. I know yeah. Randy would be all over that shit. I would, actually, actually. Legos, and that actually seems a very natural... Uh, very you know, cohesive uh, combination there. Not like freaking Mortal Kombat and DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a little forced, wasn't it? Just slightly, but you needed someone to compete with Marvel versus Capcom. DC and um, Mortal Kombat didn't succeed, but they at least competed. But we are moving on to one of a, a, um, a longer-running stories um, for in recent memory. The lawsuit between Infinity Ward and Activision, or at least... Last week, it was the tension between Infinity Ward and Activision. Now, it's officially a lawsuit. Infinity Ward studio heads Vince Sempella and Jason West, who you'll remember were recently fired in a very odd fashion, meaning Bowser so Type showed up to the Infinity Ward headquarters and pulled them out. And now they are claiming that Activision has not given them royalties for Modern Warfare 2. And that is substantial, considering it being the most successful launch of all time in any sort of media. So, what do you guys think? Uh, where do you stand on the Infinity Ward Activision suit? That is, um, I mean, if what they're saying is true, that is probably the biggest dick move in gaming, at least in recent memory. You holding on to that amount of money, I, I can't even imagine that amount of money that the that they're entitled to that they're entitled to if this lawsuit holds any merit. Yeah, I'm actually curious if the lawsuit holds any merit. I mean. Wouldn't you think that a you know Activision would uh, would have waited a little bit longer to to you know until they fired him? I mean to be asked to let go, especially from a position as high as it is. Anybody who works in corporate America knows it's pretty rare to see the directors get fired. It's almost always the underlings that do. 
But uh, to, to fire two directors, especially on something that gigantic and that profitable, uh, there's a pretty strong chance that they did something. You know, so I, I don't the know. Charges were, the charges were for the unspecific um, charge of insubordination. So that could mean an awful lot of things. Yeah, and they it could be just them that. shutting yeah. them up. It could yeah. be them just trying to shut them up. Or... It's true, but we don't know the Activision side of this story as much as we know the Infinity Ward. Yeah, Activision HR might have a you know a rap sheet a mile long for the both of them. So we'll we'll never know. I personally think that both sides are coming off as looking like assholes in this situation. You know. Mm-hmm. That that's just me. I feel bad that those two guys don't have jobs at the moment, but considering their 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 now pedigree, I don't think they'll have a hard time finding another one. And it's actually kind of interesting to know what this will lead to in uh, Modern Warfare Three. Maybe it will just completely uh, blow chunks. <laughs> you mean like Modern Warfare Two? Oh, oh come on, Randy. Oh. Just no, just the, you're you're standing on quicksand with that remark. There's just no, there's just no foundation for it. Come on, man. <laughs> All I gotta say is everybody should be happy that I didn't do the review for that one. You, I think, you, you, I think you really just liked it, huh? You really I, just liked it. <clears throat> I thought it was pretty boring. You know, uh, yeah, the multiplayer is a ton of fun, but uh, I think there's better multiplayer shooters out there. I thought the multiplayer of, of Modern Warfare One was better, and I think the. Uh, I think the single player aspect was better in multi in Modern Warfare One too. Hey, what? Um, okay then. Huh. Then again, we never really ask Randy for his opinion no. when it comes to Modern Warfare Two, and this is probably why. Yeah. Well, let's move on to some more uh, trolling and, and flame baiting here. Yeah. Specifically, the um, revisions to the Xbox Live Code of Conduct. Many will recall that previously, in a couple months prior to this, an Xbox Live user was uh, banned from uh, from the service for coming out as a lesbian during one of her PlayStation uh, play play sessions. And we've now received some updates to the live terms of use and code of conduct, and it will allow more free expressions of gamers' race, nationality, religion, and sexual orientation in gamer tags. Insults and slurs are now acceptable as gamer tags, but of course, misuse of the terms are um, will still get you banned. So now you can basically list your nationality, your race, or your religion, and sexual orientation right on the page. I'm not sure exactly what this will do to combat the um, flaming of thereof, but it's going to be interesting to see, as always. Yeah. Andy, any thoughts? Um, wait. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a thousand, but uh, you know, I, I can think on both sides of the spectrum. You know, um, Microsoft's an individual company, and they don't necessarily need to quote unquote think of the free speech rights of of the people that use their service. But at the same time, you know, I do feel badly for people that are that are proud of their their heritage, nationality, or or sexuality. So, yeah. It kind of goes against that whole um, idea that nationality, uh, pretty much, you know, the, the list goes on, is any source of pride. It, it really shouldn't be. To, to the people that kind of find that being gay is a source of, like, they have to shout it up top of their lungs for in any sort of medium, whether it's uh, in real life or just in their gamer tag, it kind of shows a sort of differentiation between them that I think is kind of dangerous and kind of uh, goes against a we should all accept each other kind of message that we've all <laughs> that's been. I, I no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It, you know, like if we if we should all accept each other because we you know deep down we're all the same, but then in the same breath we kind of scream out like I am gay or I'm a lesbian. It's just sort of kind of remarks like I am different. 
and I should be held against, and I should be held a separate from everyone else because I'm different. It's and it's very counterintuitive, is what I'm saying. We're busting out the major sociological points this episode. This issue, yeah. rock on for us. But let, let's let's shift topics to a more Gentile note, shall we? And um, Nintendo Power actually revealed a fun little uh, tidbit for us. A sequel to Elder Geek's DS game of last year, Scribblenauts 2, is coming out fall 2010 this year on the DS, although there were rumors that Scribblenauts will make its way to the Wii. But this will come... Um, we don't have a specific date, just fall. And it will include 10,000 new words to integrate into the gameplay. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what 10,000 words they left out in the original game, but always nice to see. On some of the screenshots, I saw there was, like, Travis Touchdown. Like, you could probably write his name, and he would appear to, you know, probably lightsaber the shit out of somebody. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the first game had an air humidifier. I just don't know exactly what, where, where the line was drawn in between <laughs> the production and how they can go. Maybe they're going to integrate um, brand names now. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Nintendo DS. Yeah, and then you get a little DS, and then you could be all like existential, like I'm playing DS while I'm playing DS. Wow, that's deep. It's, it's sort of like uh, it just keeps going and going. Can you can you play Scribble Knots on Scribble Knots? <laughs> Opens up some mirrored reality in which there is no hope of escape. I like it. Yeah. But um, those of you that want more info, it's in the April 2010 issue of Nintendo Power, and it will include all sorts of information. 120 new levels we'll get with the game. And we are moving on. We are moving on to real quick here. Um, you'll you'll recall if you watch uh, read our news on the site that Capcom's uh, chief operating officer in its uh, North America and Europe uh, fronts recently passed away. That's Mark Beaumont. Um, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences has responded by opening up a scholarship in the man's name that offers $25,000 to four students who, um, look, or who are looking to get into jobs, graduate jobs, into the video game industry. I'm not sure exactly how they apply for it, but this is always nice to see um, in terms of some sort of uh, merit coming from the industry. You guys have any thoughts on it? It's important for um, an esteemed organization like them to recognize the uh, impact that gaming has not only on culture, but on uh, the fundamental uh, cornerstones of uh, storytelling and um, <clears throat> and just and art in general. It's uh, I, I applaud this. I applaud this move. Right on, Randy. Go Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> no, go I think inter- that, go Academy think... of Interactive Arts and Sciences. <laughs> I think you mean to say yes, absolutely. But I I do think. Um, Gosh, I'm trying not to try not to be the dark, you know, the dark cloud here. But uh, 25 grand among four people—that's really not that. No, much it's um, four scholarship. No, no, um, 24, uh, 2,500 dollars. Oh, 20, is, uh, 20. Yeah. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. It's so a you, it, unique individual prize. Each person gets 2,500 dollars. Ah, uh, well, that's different. Okay. I retract my statement then, and and we'll go on yeah. living my ignorant life. <laughs> Still not a lot, but hey, twenty five. <laughs> I I wouldn't mind an extra twenty five hundred bucks right now. Would you guys? No, of course not. No, not at all. Who wouldn't? Especially <laughs> when you're especially when you're a grad student. Especially or even post grad when you when you're staring down your uh, loan up your first loan receipt. Yeah, uh, that's that's got to be torture. I'm not looking forward to that at all. But let's let's move on to happier times, and I've actually set up a little announcement here for this next news item. Let's see if I can get it going here. 
Good. Is this your recording of your barbershop quartet? Now this has to be edited. <laughs> oh come on! It's a joyous occasion, people. Sing with the handle chorus, um, chorus choir. Baby for... on board. <laughs> what? I adored. You're ruining. You're ruining. You're ruining the moment, Randy. I'm not hearing anything. You're not here. You didn't hear anything. No. Bennett, did you? No. Well, I put the microphone right up. It's, it was hallelujah. It was a famous. No, no wait. We don't. We don't hear it. Yeah, Gavin, that's not a good move. That's yeah. Good. All right. Well, you know what? Though, I'll, I'll find a good. Uh, I'll find the hallelujah and I'll throw it in there. Okay. I well, it, it, regardless of if they, they could not hear it or not, it is a joyous occasion for Valve Corporation had descended has descended from the mountaintop and said onto their people that we shall receive Portal Two. Yes. Yes, my children, it is the sequel to the most acclaimed, probably one of the most universally acclaimed games of this generation. Even got a positive review from Yahtzee Groshaw, and it's getting a full, full length, um, disc based game of its own. It's separate from everything else, and we shall see it this year. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, we're going to be receiving more info later this week, as it is the Game Developers Conference. And rock on for Valve. Didn't they, uh, didn't they release that by, like, uh, patching the, the current version of the game? Yes, they gave the, um, the original Portal on Steam and, uh, uh, just Steam, I believe, um, a new ending in which hinted at the, um, Portal 2, uh, containing a lot of sort of visual codes that when decoded was an unofficial, um, announcement of Portal 2. Yeah. So really kind of cool. They kind of turned the PC um, demographic into its own kind of MMO, where everyone was collaborating to figure out what the hell all these messages men mean. Kind of cool. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by those people that decode crap really quickly. You know, when they're, you know, like you're playing a game and it flashes up a series of sequence of numbers and they're like, I've decoded it and it says the truth is out there. And, you know, I just thought it looked cool. God of War did that, where, uh, like, if you destroyed one of the statues in the final level before you ascend the throne, you, uh, you get a little, you get a number that if you call it, you'll get, like, a special recorded message from David Jaffe going, like, hey man, you, you have, like, no life because it might, like, wow, dude. And then, like, Kratos kills him. <laughs> uh, that, that, I actually got that message. It was, uh, we can tell about it. We can tell. <laughs> it, it's long since been discontinued. Like even if you found the number and called it, it's, it's just as the line is not like the number is not in use anymore. Oh. Which is a shame. Which is a shame because it was actually kind of funny. Not worth the twenty minutes using Lance of the Furies on that statue, but funny. <laughs> it's those kind of stuff that always give that game an extra sense of community. I know I, I was really um, probably the last bit of uh, hype I got for Heavy Rain was trying to figure out that sort of murder mystery they had going on. It was really interesting. They worked with Facebook, so you were like working with people's profiles to figure out who was the killer. Um, pretty interesting stuff. I um, was happy to say that I had not had it spoiled for me by the time I finished it. As soon as you had said that you you there were people like spamming the internet, you know, with uh, like even message boards and stuff saying like who the killer was, I stopped going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty good move, but these kind of community things are always nice. So Valve, keep it up. Hopefully, you'll give us plenty of Glados and make the cake make the cake of truth this time because that damn Black Forest cake at the end looked really really good. So you got to <laughs> give it to us, man. All right, what do you what do you guys say we round out the news this time here? Uh, let's um one let's round out those news stories with this last little bit here. Um, it seems that um that Sony finally listened to Elder Geek. Want to know why, Randy? Yes. All right. PSP yes. phone. 
Oh, yeah, I just read that. And Absolutely. Wall Street Journal reports it that Sony is working on a line of smartphones to directly compete with the iPhone after Steve Jobs kind of uh, Steve Jobs kind of came out and said, nee, 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 we are now more profitable than Sony in this department. You know so they're coming out, and probably game downloads will be a major part of it, in addition to apps and video feedback and internet usage, et cetera, et cetera. You know what's kind of neat, though? My uh, my phone contract is actually up this year. Really? And, yeah, and I use Verizon. So you would you would assume you you would assume that you know if if uh, you know the PSP game phone or whatever the hell is going to be coming out that it would be coming out on Verizon as opposed to AT and T because you know AT and T already has the iPhone. Well, no providers are listed at the moment, but we don't have any sort of expectations. It's supposed to launch this year, probably in Japan first. Um, we might not get it in the states this year, but. Who knows? Um, this actually does fit in with the release schedule of the Sony online service, which is its answer to iTunes. It um, uploads video and audio content and probably game content similar to the PlayStation Network for phones. So rock on. Yeah, I, I might like- I might finally, uh, you know, use my Sony, my uh, PSP. <laughs> <laughs> this comes like one uh, like three months after I just got a new phone. So thanks a lot, Sony. Uh, my, my only hope is that it does not use freaking touch screen. I hate touch screens. I don't know. I mean, it'll use a touch screen. Be, yeah, that seems to be the um, OS, the operating system du jour. Yeah. Especially for smartphones. I, I want it, like, the Droid is, is an excellent combination of the two, where you've got an, a really sweet touchscreen, but also a, a very, very cool slide-out keyboard. And, in fact, out of the two, you know, interfaces, I, I would prefer a Droid interface as opposed to, a uh, like, an iPhone interface. Most definitely. Yeah. I, I don't really see the appeal of touchscreens. They, they smudge up your screen to the point where you can't even clean it anymore, no matter how many times you wipe it. And the tactile keyboards, even the smaller, smaller, is much more, I don't know, responsive than any touchscreen that I've ever used. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We know nothing about it other than it's coming. So keep it tuned to eldergeek.com for details. And I think we're rounding up the news with that this week. So yeah, just keep it on eldergeek.com for any new and awesome video game news. Hey Elder Geeks, got an idea for the site? Or do you have a topic that you'd like for us to talk about on Elderspeak? Be sure to drop us a suggestion on either the forums or by sending an email to info at elder-geek.com. Hey everybody, welcome back from break. Um, this half of the show, now that we are actually done talking about the, uh, the health of the industry at the moment, um, we are going to discuss the Oscars about how little I know about it and how much Gavin and Bennett actually want to, you know, bitch and argue about because apparently they, you know, one of them thought that Spider-Man 3 was awesome and the other one thought that it wasn't awesome and yeah. So go ahead, guys. Wow, wow Randy, not only do you mention a film that's not in the Oscars, you mentioned a film that wasn't even released in ter- in terms of qualification. See what I'm saying? Yay! Film jump. snobs. Film snobs. See what I'm saying? Just because it was from last year, it can't be nominated this year. You mean three years ago. Just because it <laughs> And neither of us think, thought it was a good movie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I got like one good moment when Spider-Man took off his boot and like, where do these guys keep coming from? And pours out the sand. That was the only good part of that movie. I, you know, you're absolutely right. And I, 
I only watched that movie because it was free with my PlayStation 3. But uh Ooh, you got the crappy bundle. I did. I did. But I've I've modded it since then and now it's got like a giganto hard drive. But anyway, so what did you guys actually think of the Oscars this year? Gavin, you wrote um you wrote your prediction piece for um for the site and yes. uh you've told me that you 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 blew it majorly. Okay, I didn't blow it majorly. I mean, yeah, I made a a, a, a significant mistake that made you know that made my numbers pretty bad this year. Um, I still stand by everything I wrote because politics is politics is still politics. <laughs> but um, I think I gave. I'm very happy to be wrong. I gave Avatar far too much credit. I I gave it far too much um, anticipation. And it turns out, despite how much money you make, the Academy still hates sci-fi. So thankfully, that's a that's very good. Um, Hurt Locker took most of the awards that Avatar was set for, and overall, I'm pretty happy with the show. I mean, I have my uh, complaints, with I'm, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but overall, I'm pretty happy with where it went, even though it kind of uh, screwed over my own production list. But it's still a worthwhile read, definitely, for the 12 hours I put into the damn thing. Yeah. Bennett, I, Bennett take it away. Yep. Oh, take it away. I um I watched the, the Oscars not because I wanted to see who would win Best Actor or Actors. I just wanted to see if the Academy would have the sheer gall to name Avatar the best picture of the year. And I am so glad that they just nominated Avatar just to get drawn viewers. Cause that's, I think that's what they did. They, they had no intention of giving the, the Academy, to, the Oscar to Avatar. They just wanted to nominate them so people were like, oh, Avatar can win. You know, the two billion people or, you know, whoever, how many people saw that movie would tune in and i don't know if it was effective or not but it certainly got me in it but not for the reasons that they intended i just i was just you should have heard me when i when i saw that uh you know that hurt locker one i was laughing my ass off because i have a friend who's just so in love with that movie and when i told him that it was nominated for best picture he's like good <laughs> and i was sort of like and i was just beside myself with just like the sounds of Bennett. But yeah, I, I think this, this year was definitely the year of audience placation. We went back up to 10 nominees for the first time since 1943 when Casablanca won the Best Picture Award. And that was the only category that did it. 10 nominations, and most of them, you could probably take a look at them and take away seven right off the bat. Because you had all of these movies, uh, The Blind Side, the, um, District 9, and Education, A Serious Man, Up, and Precious, all of these independent films, with the exception to, pressure, um, to Up, of course, um, just nominated to draw on viewers, like Bennett said, just bring in the crowds, because none of them had the slightest chance in hell. Even though with the ten nominees, it was a ranking um, vote. It wasn't just pick your favorite, it was rank them one to ten. So there's still what, uh, you really couldn't predict that award for sure, because even if someone vote, if every Academy member voted number one for Hurt Locker, though that number still would have been taken away and they still would have gone for the second or third, play, uh, third pick overall. So there really wasn't a rhyme or reason towards the uh, prediction of the best picture race this year. And thankfully it all evened out in the favor of at least a decent film. Yeah. You know what I'm actually really kind of tired of? Like, I, I, I have to throw this in as a non-movie buff. I'm more of a shitty movie buff. Um, the, I'm absolutely tired of hearing about, uh, oh, the, you know, Catherine Bigelow and, and uh, James Cameron used to be married and, you know, uh, and they were so gracious about it. And blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. You know, um, and, and that became such a big internet thing after after the awards. Um, that, that's that's all I gotta say. Sorry. Well, 
I'll I mean, go back. yeah, about you know soap opera aesthetics. I think I thought it was I thought it got more um, politics before that being that she would be the first woman director or Lee Daniels for Precious would be the first African American director, which really I don't give a shit. I didn't give a shit with Halle Berry one. She got it because she would be the first African American actress. Otherwise, there's no excuse for that performance winning. But that's my own politics. But oh, yeah, you know, um, the uh, pity Oscars, if you will. No, yeah, and but actually this year there weren't a lot of pity Oscars. You would think for the best original screenplay would go to Up in the Air, the George Clooney film by Jason Reitman who directed Juno. It would there was no chance for it winning anything beyond original screenplay. So you thought, hey, it would get that that would be the bone win, you know, throwing the um, throwing the writers a bone. But it actually went to Precious, which got a lot more awards than people assumed, and that was a decent movie. But I mean, in terms of the acting this year, the best performance by lead and uh, lead actor and actress and supporting actor and actress that was that was predictable from the moment they were nominated. I mean, Bennett, did you get all those right? Uh, I I haven't predicted them, but I was just ah, Sandra Bullock winning best. <laughs> of course, it wouldn't be Oscar season and freaking uh, what's her name? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep wasn't nominated. At this yeah. point in her career, whenever she gets an Oscar nod, she's just like, eh, okay, fine. You just got to call up Vera Wang and have them design a gown for me. I'm thinking V-neck. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, did, did anyone, anyone see Julie and Julia? Yeah, I did, actually. Well, that's because you're you, but like... <laughs> no, I didn't see it. I'm Joe Average. I did not see Julie I, and I don't Julia. Think, I don't think anyone need to see it. If it didn't make a single sense... The Academy would have said Meryl Streep was in a movie. She played someone that lived. Nomination. Do, do you want to know why I did not see Julie and Julia? Because I, I do not believe in this this uh, false image of Meryl Streep being an attractive older woman. She's. <laughs> Wait, when was that? When was that used in Is Julie it, and Julia? I thought that's what that was. I thought there was like the whole. Wasn't that the one where like, uh, oh, Julie and Julia? No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the one where she was supposed to be. Uh, what was that dumb one that she was in with uh, Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin? Oh, was... it's it's complicated. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that... Mer- Meryl Streep's ugly. <laughs> wow, dude, come I on. I do not like Meryl Streep. I really don't. I don't I think she's you... even talented. Whoa. I don't. Whoa. I do not. I think she. I think she overacts everything. Uh, I, I'm not sure if there's any Meryl Streep fanboys out there because I'm not even sure if they can exist. In yeah, especially if they're reality. To our podcast too, you know. Yeah, so I'm not <laughs> sure. I think people that would only come down to hate on you, but just just to hate on you. I don't think they even give two shits about uh, Meryl Streep. They just want to hate on you for whatever reason they can find. <laughs> you 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 hate on Meryl Streep? I mean, <laughs> I can't name one movie she's ever been in, but I'll hate on you for that because she's. She's a great actress, so I've been told. <laughs> hey, I like I like her. I like her acting style. I think she's the most overrated actress working today. That's not hard given the amount of nominations she gets. I still think she's decent. I still think she's good. So, but, yeah. but then again, you like Sandra Bullock, so obviously I didn't, your case. I didn't. Hey, hey, I didn't like her in The Blind Side. I thought it was a you know an Oscar masturbation film in the greatest sense of the word. I thought it was you know the most uh, the most forced if. Yeah, talent shown through at certain points. It was not near worthy an Oscar. And yeah, I I love Sandra Bullock just because I grew up with her. I watched her through the '90s, and I lo- I loved it. But yeah, not not an Oscar performance. And I didn't think Jeff Bridges was an Oscar performance. He got it for the Legacy. He's been nominated five times since 1971, 
and they just kind of gave it to him just because I'm pretty sure most of the Academy just wanted to give it to Jeff Bridges. So then the next trailer for Tron Legacy could say featuring Academy Award winner Jeff Bridges in Tron. Booyah. I think, I think that was the reason because Colin Firth gave the best, um, um, acting performance this year in a single man for which he was nominated, but didn't win. And of course, if you want to talk, just not nominated for nomination's sake, was Morgan Freeman this year because he played Nelson Mandela. Who no, hasn't was... seen Morgan Freeman as Nelson Mandela since he first came on the scene? He's like, that motherfucker needs to play Nelson Mandela. That's like the that's the the idea role that was realized this year. So of course it just <laughs> had to be tossed out. I'm surprised Clint Eastwood didn't get in for Invictus. I thought, you know, they who do, who does the Academy love more than an old white guy? But didn't get in. Go figure. They like Meryl Streep a lot. <laughs> also, I thought of another movie, by the way, backtracking a little bit to my hatred towards Meryl Streep. Uh, and, and my hatred towards her is, is breaching a little bit on the irrational side. But the movie Mamma Mia was terrible. Oh, all right. And, and yet it was again. It's based on a terrible musical, which is based on terrible music, but it, it's it was, terrible <laughs> music that you love. To, it's, you love to hate Abba. But I was, I, I hated that movie more because they tried to, to portray Meryl Streep as this, yet again, attractive older woman, and that is a lie. It's a lie. Okay. You, you, she's not a cougar. Not, you're not even close. And not only that, but she could not have been that woman's mother. She was like her grandmother at his age. Like it would have been, you know, some kind of immaculate birth thingy if she gave birth to that, that girl in that movie. Because there's no way a man could keep an erection with her around? Well, I was, yeah, alright, we'll go, let's go with that one. Let's go you're with li- that. You're listening to Elder Speak, the only podcast in which when, when discussing the doctors, we discuss Meryl Streep's Gmail status and nothing else. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I don't think we can. Uh, I think Penn and I need to move on completely dramatic here and go to the supporting actor category because the most obvious victory of the night was, of course, Christoph Waltz for Christopher Employees. Waltz. Yeah, it's uh, there's no er, there's no, there's no, there's no. It's just Christoph Waltz. No yeah, it's just Christoph. Yeah, Christoph. According he's to Aust- he's Austrian. Don't you don't fuck with their pronunciations. Mm. He's Austrian. Don't fuck with him. No. Christoph. Christoph Waltz. Oh, well, you, you see Christoph, and you just sort of intrinsically come up the er at the end. Especially since there was another Christopher that was nominated this year, you know, Christopher Plummer. Who so, was never nominated despite, you know, 80 years of work, practically. Or 80 years of life, at least. Um, he's been working since he was, like, an infant. But, yeah, that first nomination in 80 years of life, good for him. But the best performance, it was the only real award that Inglorious Bastards won, which was sad because it was my favorite movie of the year. Bennett, did you... uh? Appreciate his work. Seeing seeing uh, Christoph Waltz um, in that movie was very much a callback to the standard. Not I don't want to say standard because it, it would it sounds like I'm downplaying his performance when I'm not. It's just a, a throwback to the classic villain archetype, the one that you know, like in today's movies, we always find it like a villain that's like always cool or always just like <laughs> crazy or that this this really tired out sort of postmodern kind of villain. But when you see Christoph Waltz as just a down-to-earth, hateful, almost inhuman, but still believable uh, villain like like he was in that movie, it was just so refreshing. It was refreshing to go back to the standards, I guess. Absolutely. It's the kind of love love to hate the guy. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was the only performance this year, and from what I talked to about other critics, it's, um, it was the same for them as well, that after you finish the movie, you're like, that fucker's gonna get an Oscar. 
the only, usually you have like four or five performances of the year that you said he has a chance. But this uh, 2009, it was only Christoph Waltz. You're like, he doesn't just have a chance. He's getting the trophy. And he's and then, gotten everything for it, like six, uh, 30 awards for that performance at this point. And then, but coming off of, uh, you know, freaking uh, the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker winning supporting yeah. actor last year. And then, you know, seeing that kind of you know, villainous performance and then seeing this kind of villainous performance get the same kind of accolades. I think it really, really shows how much modern modern films is sort of making its circle back towards the, uh, you know, old time. No, it's not old time, but like the archetypal film. I mean, Up in the Air, which has been described as almost like a 1940s kind of like a Gable, a Gable feature. Yeah, like a a, Gable feature gets so many awards, didn't exactly win a lot of them. I don't think it actually won any awards, really. Um, No, but it was nominated for about six. So it was was like it was like it was a very you know high profile film in the nomination. And I'm I'm applauding to see see something like this because I, for one, am kind of tired of the uh postmodern films that we've been, you know, that's been shoved down our throats for the past two, three years. Absolutely. It's nice to see these not over-explained kind of performances and not over-explained films where it just allows the script and the uh, acting to breathe. And speaking of that, I think another um, performance that was amazing was, of course, Monique in Precious, this absolutely hateful, spiteful mother. If you want to go tropes, this is back to the old Disney stepmothers, just these absolutely hideous people. And then at the very end, she has this five-minute monologue that, while it doesn't make you agree with her, sure as hell makes you relate to this person that for the past 90 minutes you've despised. I mean, that was just a real kind of classic turn where they can make they can make the uh, they can just go to this incredibly dark place and yet still bring you in with it. And I thought that was. Uh, did you see uh, Precious? Yeah, I saw I saw Precious, and uh, I would agree with you on that. Monique definitely deserved that. Definitely deserved that Oscar. It's uh, I, I liked that the she was able to talk. She was able to monologue the way she did in that emotional moment. I mean, yeah. a lot of actors and actresses would never like kind of like talk while they cry. You you never for once, you know, suspend your disbelief and like, oh yeah, she's she's going for that Oscar. <laughs> there, it just seemed like she was on earnestly and honestly on the edge of teetering over and just, you know, just com- crumbling up into this emotional pile of goo. Absolutely. It was it was a very very well done performance. If only for that last, you know, that last. Oh yeah, that's the main thing everyone's saying. I mean, if there was that in that last monologue, it would just be impossible to just even get to get towards this person or uh, just accept this performance. But yeah, I mean, she really pulls it together in the last. I think it's just because she allows her voice to break. She allows to be, you know, she allows herself to be that unglamorous thing where it's not the soft lighting when they're looking slightly off angle to the camera and speaking from, you know, directly from the diaphragm and being all very professionally dramatic. Here it's just like, this is a, this is a real serious person that you can see in a welfare office where she was at the time of the performance. And that was, it was impressive. But I mean, yeah, go oh, no, go. I just wanted to kind of have a brief aside here talking about uh, villains, you know, like being portrayed as hateful, really hateful people. Yeah. Wretched excuses. Um, Back in, uh, I think it was uh, 1999 or 2000, when the film Green Mile came out, yeah. I, w- I was just so completely, ah, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how the, the actor who played that Percy Wetmore did not get nominated. That, you know, let alone win, didn't even get nominated. That was probably his performance as Percy Wentmore 
was probably the most spectacular, most ingeniously delivered, hateful performance of a human being in your life. Like you'll never see a you'll never see a character so disgusting, so wretched a person, a, a, the poorest excuse for a human being that you will ever see. And it's, like and like being a retard or gay, that's a great way to get an Oscar uh, most of the time. Most of the time, it, but but for him to not get nominated, I think it was just more of more of I think the times. Yeah, you know, like I think he was the Oscar that year was like in two thousand. If that performance. If that movie was made like last year, oh yeah, definitely. I th- I think holy crap, he I think he might he could have stolen that Oscar from Christoph Waltz. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a sign of the larger times here. I mean, we're uh, we feel we feel better just going into these dark films. I mean, The Hurt Locker is a very depressing film. It's about people that um, whose job it is to disarm um, IEDs, um, improvised expl- explosion explosive devices. I for- I'm probably botched that, but nope, IEDs very improvised dark explosive device. Yeah, all it's very dark, and that's because we all live in the sh- a lot of us live in the shit right now. And yeah, like Bennett said, just because every time he talks about Oscars or awards, he has to bring up the Green Mile. But um, that's be- a lot of this stuff was not a pleasant film, uh, not pleasant. District Nine was not a pleasant movie. And that of- was though, District Nine should not have been nominated for Best Picture at all. Well, neither should The Blind Side. Neither should a serious the- man. Neither should Up. Up was Up was insulting though, because any time an animated film is nominated for both Best Picture and Best Animated, it's basically saying to the other animated nominees, like, "Ah, we're just gonna cornhole you with a nomination. You have absolutely no hope. Just don't even, just, just don't even show up. We don't even want you there." Like Pixar, you know, kind of, you know, bogarts the awards. Oh yeah, it's at least, a, a monopoly since you know the the turn of the century, practically, with Toy Story. It'll be interesting to see Toy Story three because you know three quotes usually aren't up to the snuff of quality, but this is Pixar we're talking about. Can you really honestly say there has been one bad Pixar film? No, absolutely. I mean, that's the only, it's the, the only studio on the West coast to have that. Although I would argue that up, it's probably its worst film in terms of comparative quality. That's my opinion. Well, but, yeah, I thought like Toy Story two would be yours. No, up. It, I would, um, Toy Story is a little bit better in my opinion. And for me, I don't like the Toy Story for all of you listening. It sounds ridiculous, but I don't like them. But I mean, in terms of this, in terms of this year, the only surprises were just what awards got nominated for just um, best picture. I mean, they just really trotted out the. Either this year must have not been a good overall year for movies, just because what they trotted out for best picture material was just so far and beyond, just not worth it. Oh, and, oh, oh! One of the sorry, trying to go back to best supporting actor here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, freaking uh, God, why can't I remember his name? Um. He, you know, Watchmen's Rorschach. He didn't oh, even James get a, Earl Haley. James Earl Haley didn't even get a nomination for for Rorschach. God damn. Well, Watchmen didn't get nominated for anything. I know Watchmen didn't get nominated for anything, but you look at that film, and even if you hated the film, oh, which I did. Even if you hated the film, seeing Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach was just, oh man, that was, you believed him. There was there was no throwback to like this is a comic book character. At no point in his performance where you're just watching like a superhero, you know, just a guy pretending to be a superhero. Mainly that's because of the character himself, but also because of Jackie Earl Haley's almost masterful. I I say almost masterful because you did spend a good point in that movie with his face covered, and really you could act very brilliantly if you didn't have if you didn't have your face. Yeah. 
exposed. For sure. all we know, he could have delivered his famous line, googly-eyed. <laughs> but, uh, but, that's uh, an image I'm going to have watching the movie now. Just like Jack Hero Haley behind, just like trying to, you know, introverted eyes, like, nah. And I'll whisper, no. <laughs> and anyway. But yes, he, he was Rorschach. There was that's no funny. ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was Rorschach. And I would have, he at least deserved to be nominated. True. I mean, in this year of sort of audience masturbation that most of these nominations were, especially towards the bigger categories, you'd think they wouldn't have these. I mean, Watchmen, you can argue, was, you know, the one snub film of the year. But I would argue in terms of the biggest snub film of the year was Where the Wild Things Are. And I just Ooh. think that's because it's heading, it's hitting back this, you know, it's based on this like 20 page children's book. And it just, if you haven't seen the film, which a lot of people didn't, it's really hard to appreciate what it, what it has. I mean, it didn't get nominated for best adapted screenplay, not direction, not best picture. And it's much better than the blind side or precious or any of the stuff like that. It's just incredible. And it's unfortunately going to become the sleeper hit of, of this past year because it just com- got completely ditched from every award ceremony. And it's really disappointing to see, but in terms of comparative years, there wasn't a lot to ignore this, this year, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for the overall industry, but they hit most of the major notes. Like a serious man. I felt was just too, like, I felt like the Coen brothers just, I had, like, a grudge against the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, you can argue that for the entire career. Well, I mean, you know, like, uh, their last film, uh, with No Country for Old Men was, uh, I, I forgot, but was that, the, was that their last film? Yes. Okay. Cause I keep getting them mixed up with a bunch of other, other films that, that try to play off the whole, play off their kind of shtick, like, uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats. I thought yeah. that was a very Coen Brothers like film, <laughs> but, uh, Obviously not, <laughs> but a, a serious man was, I think, kind of play, kind of towing that line of, uh, it's like, how much can we put this character through this shit? I mean, like, yeah, we, we're all sort of, we're all sort of in the shit right now, but not to that extent. It almost was, I think maybe it was exaggerated for comical effect, but I think that that kind of detracted away from the audience's involvement of it. Mm. Well, we're actually running a little shy on time, but I don't, I don't want to like, you know, knock down the conversation because it's going actually really, really well. But, um, you know, I guess, uh, I guess just for the sake of, of closure, um, what do you, what do you think the, um, you know, what do you think the, that they got right? And what do you think they totally botched? You know, who? Christoph, Christoph Waltz, uh, his, uh, his win was totally, totally and completely non-surprising, but well-deserved. What did they screw up? They, they screwed up, uh, well, any Avatar nomination that wasn't for their technical prowess. But I'm glad they didn't win that. But uh, I'm, I'm depressed that they won cinematography. That pissed me off. Well, like, what did you think would win cinematography, if not Avatar? Hurt Locker or Inglorious Bastards. Anything but Avatar, you know. That, that seems to be the trend in most Oscar viewers this year. It was anything but Avatar. Huh. Pretty much any time a James Cameron movie comes out, it's anything but when it comes to the awards. Yeah, I, I was just so elated to hear that Avatar didn't win, <laughs> like, maybe eight of the ten Oscars they were nominated. I don't forgot how many they were nominated Nine. for. Nine. Nine. They won three. They won three. I thought they only won two, like, uh, Best Art Direction and Best Technical, technical visual, direction. visual Effects, Art Direction, and Cinematography. Why do I know all this? Dear God. Okay. <laughs> because you want to know your enemy. Yes. I'll, I will take that excuse. 
Well, in, terms, in terms of overall good and bad things about the show, I think the worst part is the show itself. They never seem to be able to strike a good balance. Last year was okay. I think the opening number with um, Neil Patrick Harris was the best part of the show, and everything after that was kind of a downward turn. I don't think Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin are that good as hosts. Um, I, I think the worst part of the show, just for me, is that they nominated Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince for something. It didn't matter what it was. Just ha- being that nominated, it validated what absolute schlock that film was. It was nominated for cinematography. That just, that was, that was the Capri Sun straw down my urethra. That was just like, that, that was just pain, pain, pain on my end. It was just, why? Why? But again, good. They got the supporting actors, actors down. Um, Hurt Locker was great to win. I really wish Inglorious Bastards got more. But overall, I mean, they hit the nominations pretty, uh, pretty understandably at worst and right on at best. Um, For those of you wondering at home, a Capri Sun down the urethra, Capri Sun straw down the urethra is called a juice box hero. <laughs> and I think that's where we're going to leave it off there, my friends. I don't <laughs> think we can top that. Oscars this year. Fun to watch, although you never really want to talk about it after. You never want to talk to uh, about it two weeks afterwards. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Juice, Juice hero. hero. <laughs> you guys are sick. <laughs> Yahoo! You're all clear, kid. Total Chief, 